Welcome to a Healing Peace Podcast. We partner with JNTEL, a nonprofit organization that provides educational programs to promote emotional and mental health while building our identity in Christ. In this podcast series, you will learn about me, Kimir Baker, the CEO and founder of JNTEL, and other life changers. We inspire, equip, and support you along your journeys. By the renewal of our minds, we overcome life challenges. We renew and rise up. Welcome back to our sixth season of a Healing Peace podcast. Can you believe it? We have made it to six seasons. Also, can you believe it that we are in the second month of 2023? Man, time is going by fast. Before I delve into our wonderful show and catch up with you guys, I want to share the basics. First, and I mean first, I want to say thank you to those who have listened to us over the years. Each year, I wonder what in the world are we going to talk about? Who's going to join us on this wonderful show? However, we know that life keeps ticking and as it ticks, it opens up for new learning opportunities. Second, if you have not already told your family and friends about us, please share us. You can share a new insight that you gain while listening. You can also share our social media posts. I can always use a little help in that area. Also, if you haven't done it yet, subscribe to our channel. Leave us a review. These small acts allow us to reach more people with this incredible message. Okay, let's get back to the show. I'm going to address the elephant in the room. What elephant, you may ask? Well, I did say back in November that we will be back in January. And as I already stated, we're in the second month of the year. We're in this wonderful February. And you may be wondering, girl, what have you been up to? Well, thanks for wondering. And as usual, I'm going to tell you my business. I'm going to tell you what I've been up to. in November. We had an incredible segment about habits. I learned so much. I had to play that a couple times. I was like, huh, no wonder it's been hard for a sister to break some of them habits. But November also began this spiral of the hectic holiday season. My life spiraled after one commitment, after another, after another, after another. Thanksgiving rolled by. I ate and sad to say, I worked right after. I did not have a Thanksgiving break. Then Christmas rolled around, still just hustling and bustling. As I share my holiday bustle, it reminds me of the complexities of my career. Unfortunately, I've had jobs that do not turn off during the holiday season. This one isn't any different. Needless to say, I survived the season, but I didn't have the time to join you guys for this wonderful podcast. Since I'm being nostalgic, I've decided to share a little bit more about my work experiences. You know, there's always a honeymoon phase in your job. You get hired, you love what you're doing, then eventually over time, you begin to experience the workplace culture, the office politics, and then the drama starts flying. I do not know if you had this experience, but I'm going to ask you, have you ever had relationship drama in or out of your work? Every time you turned around, 
you experience another issue with your personal relationships. Can you relate? Well, I'm going to talk about one of mine. Before I go down memory lane, I want to acknowledge that God uses my work environment to develop my character by the grace of God. I have great friends and I have a great church environment. And these items do not cause drama. But that work is a whole other story. So here goes. During my crazy work schedule, I continually express my limits and work boundaries. Unfortunately, I was not heard. Instead, the project took precedence over my well-being. Each time I spoke up, there were no changes. Instead, no one took responsibility for the chaos that we were all in. On certain occasions, I was informed that the chaos was normal, which meant that I should comply with it. There were other occasions when I was ignored altogether. I didn't feel supported by my colleagues. Instead, I was bombarded with more responsibility to the point that I was unable to enjoy my holiday season. I was so frustrated that when I came time to sit down and read my Bible, I was confronted with a very challenging Bible passage. Now, I don't know if you ever had those moments where you start reading the Bible and then you just felt completely challenged to the point you was like, "Mm -mm, I can't do this. No, this is too hard. Mm -mm, I don't have the strength for this. Well, I came to these crossroads. Yes, I did. I sat down for my Bible time and I stumbled across Matthew 5, 43-48. This passage talks about love for your enemies. In verse 44-45, through 45, it states, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil, and on the good, and sins rain on the just and on the unjust. Now, you may be wondering, why was this passage so hard for me to follow? Well, because of my job, I felt that those around me were hostile toward me. I felt isolated, and I was surrounded by what I considered evil behavior. Everyone was out for themselves to the detriment of my well-being. Therefore, when I read this passage, I did not have love for those around me. I also didn't want to provide it. I wanted to have my tirade and tell everybody where they could go stick that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to rain fire, breathe fire, shoot fire, some fire. I want to do some fire instead of love. And I definitely didn't want anyone to prosper There were moments when I wanted to retaliate. I stated numerously to myself, I'm going to show you. If this is how you're going to treat me, this is how I'm going to treat you. Luckily, I didn't do it. I I held myself down. I didn't go around harming those. I didn't cuss people out. Some of them did deserve it, but I didn't do it. I also did pray for my colleagues and hope they would listen to my pleas. I realized later that not being heard and feeling unsupported triggered previous trauma. I had previous experiences where I finally
finally had the courage to speak up, only to not be believed in or shunned for my statements. I also had experiences where I was not valued as an individual and thereby overlooked. I did have the ugly duckly experiences. I digress because I can start playing that violin. I feel it coming. Okay, let me pull it back in because I'm about to tell you all my business. Let me pull it back in. Nonetheless, even though my colleagues were not enemies, I did feel as though our work environment became hostile. Not only was the work environment hostile, but I continued to sacrifice so much of my life to complete projects that had ridiculous timelines. I stopped exercising, hanging out with friends, and enjoying my weekly fun activities. Mm-hmm. I even cried sometimes, you guys. Yes, I did. I cried when the pressure kept mounting. So when I got to this passage and the one before it, because the one before it is just hot, I struggled. How can I willingly be in a hostile work environment? It was costing me too much. The passage before it, Matthew 5, 38 to 42, left me even more baffled. The passage states that if someone slaps you, turn the cheek and let him slap the other cheek. Uh, yeah. What in the world? And so the Bible is telling me to not only receive evil treatment, but also to love the person who was treating me poorly? Yeah, it was too much. I just could not comprehend why the Lord would tell me to remain in a hostile or emotional abusive situation. I did not receive my answers that day reading the Bible. No, I didn't. Instead, my insides were turned inside out. I began to feel bad about wanting a better work environment. I also felt bad because I could not be perfect as God is perfect in this area. That's Matthew 5, 48. But I try my best to not retaliate. And I also try my best not to be hostile in return. Like I didn't go, like I said, because people, uh, I was polite. I did what I was supposed to do. I, I did put in, tell individuals, hey, this ain't, hey. But I was still respectful in the way that I communicated. So what happened next? I went home, and while I was home, and while I was leaving to go home, I was extremely exhausted. I hoped that the change of scenery will finally refresh my spirit. Instead, one day later, work interrupted my plans. Work continued to interrupt my plans several times during the holiday season. As I interacted with my family, I became short-tempered. At times, I lashed out at family members. I couldn't understand why my family time became contentious. Why was I so annoyed? Towards the end of my stay, I finally realized that my hostility towards my family was an overflow from the hostility I felt at my job. I felt unheard and not supported. I quickly projected these feelings on my family members thinking that no one has listened to me. And of course, I didn't feel supported. I may not have retaliated against my colleagues, but I retaliated against my family members. Therefore, my work relationships had negatively impacted my personal relationships. Have you had similar experiences in your personal relationships? Okay, here are some 
signs of relationships that are in trouble. Here they go. One, communication is minimal and often negative. That negative communication can be aggressive or confrontational. There's differences and unable to enjoy. Instead, there's just criticisms all over, just bam, 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 bam. Your differences being slight. There's you spend less time together. It's like, look, let me get away from you. I don't got time for all this. I need a break. One person may indicate that the relationship is in trouble. One person is rarely prepared to listen. Here's another one. You do not trust the person. And lastly, conflict leads to resentment and not resolution. The signs were clear. I had relationship troubles that overflowed into relationship drama. Christmas was over. Before leaving my family, I attempted to apologize for my behavior. But emotionally, I was spinning out of control. I reread Matthew 5 and felt stuck. I I just could not believe what the Bible was asking me to do. Again, how in the world Am I supposed to allow others to treat me poorly while loving them? We all have heard that statement, love the person, not the sin. But again, that's that's a hard statement. And so here I am pondering over this request. But instead of staying stuck, I moved forward and I tried to get my life back on track. I went and started to get my self-care back together. I reinstated my workouts. I planned time to connect with others. I also made sure that I was having my meditation times with God. I did bypass the Matthew passages. I went and read other things. Yes. But in that, I still focused on God. Please help me to have the strength and help me through my challenges. Lastly, God help me through my fears. Several weeks went by and I began to feel rejuvenated. I was getting plugged back into my source. And slowly, I was returning to my good old self. While I was basking in my rejuvenated me, God did something unexpected. Yes, he did. All of my complaints about not being heard about my job came to a halt. One of my colleagues in particular was forced to acknowledge the items that I expressed over the past month. One person became aware of the truth of my statements. And eventually, they did start changing our interaction. When this happened, I said, Thank you, Jesus. About time, all that suffering. But at the right moment, God intervened. Can I tell you, a sister was happy? I will admit, I did not fully comprehend the magnitude of my experiences. God working in my favor brought me back to examining Matthew 5. Matthew 5 belongs in the context of Jesus' infamous Sermon on the Mount. In that sermon, he describes the Beatitudes, and he also challenges the Jews' understanding of the law. So now the Jews, the Israelites, they had over... 600 laws to follow outside of the infamous 10 commandments can you believe it 600 yeah first of all how do you remember 600 i digress but anyways in this passage or in this 
part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was addressing the human nature aspect of, I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you have all these things that you have to accomplish or have to remember. Like I said, they got 600 laws there. And then after a while, you kind of start cutting corners, kind of making concessions for things. And unfortunately, the Jews started to do that in the context of not fulfilling God's character. Like some of the things they were doing, they may have been following the law, but the heart behind God's character with respect to the law, they were kind of drifting. And so here Jesus, he comes to the sand. He was like, okay, we about to shake some things up. We about to get you out of this compliance stage. And so in Matthew 5, 43, the Bible states, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The Jews at the time was like, hey, I'm loving people who are good to me. You said love, I'm doing it. But for those who are not in my community, hey, they not my neighbors, so I don't got to love them. And this understanding happens to us today. Yes, it does. I don't know if you experienced or heard something like, hey, I'm going to love my black community. And because you're not a part of my black community, I'm going to hate you. Or the other way around. I will love fellow white people, but I'm going to hate black folks because they're not in my community. I can't relate. I don't understand these people. On the contrary, God loves everybody. He does not distinguish or separate who should be loved. And in his unconditional love, we reap the benefits of it. Yes, we do. And so God is like, hey, I'm doing it. So I'm calling you to do the same which is love unconditionally. Love regardless of how this person is treating you in return. Oh, that's it's hard. It's hard. But fortunately for me in my work situation, God worked out my good. He fought my battle. He ultimately judged what was good and right on my behalf. Now, I want to take a step back and discuss for those who have been in challenging situations over a long period of time where you're still waiting for the Lord to interject on your behalf, or maybe you're in situations that are unhealthy and people are continually taking advantage of you, do you stay? I'll be honest, as I was enduring my circumstances, I expressed numerously that I was quitting my job. It was for me to move away from a hostile work environment. I was ready about to quit, but then something happened. And it's called, I have bills to pay. Yes, them on bills, they got me. And so I was like, I need to be financially responsible. But if I quit at the time that I had wanted to, I would have missed seeing God avenge me and work on my behalf. And so sometimes in those moments, God saying, hold on, I got you. I'm working things out. I'm trying to orchestrate and stuff, but you got to be still for a moment and let me do my work. Yes, luckily, God is an avenging God. He does work on our behalf. So 
all these passages in Matthew 5, they challenge us to not retaliate, to be righteous, and to love others. All of these qualities force relationship drama to not prevail. Yes, it does. It does not prevail because we are called to manage ourselves instead of creating more hostility. Relationship harmony begins with us first. Yes, it does. So how do we create harmony in very difficult situations? Ultimately, how can we not retaliate, be righteous, and love others? Just even saying it is hard. Enjoy Being Stylish? Our community partner, Back to Jesus, is a faith-based apparel and accessories online store. When you purchase items with our logo, you are proclaiming God, who has control, the Spirit, who gives us strength, peace, and comfort, and Jesus, who is our refuge. Turn heads with our stylish products while praising Him. Shop at backtojesus.us to purchase items. Well, there are several things that you can do to achieve these qualities without jeopardizing who you are as God's child. Matthew 5, 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Number one is, you got to pray. Pray for those who are persecuting you, afflicting, harming you. For me, I pray that God will open my colleagues and clients' eyes to the truth. Yes, Show them the truth. I pray that God will grant me the vocabulary or the right words to have conversations, to say things that make sense to them so things can be different. Because sometimes we do speak in two different languages. Sometimes what makes utterly clear sense to me, it does not make sense to the other person who just heard the words that came out my mouth. They're like, what are you saying? It was clear to me. I also prayed for strength to do what was right, to remain righteous. I pray that God would deliver me from all this crazy. Basically, I needed to seek out help from someone more powerful than me. All right, tip number two. How can we work towards not retaliating? In this context, retaliation means not repaying evil with evil. That's Matthew 5, 39. Repaying evil for evil would have meant that I began cussing up my colleagues or sabotaging the project to get what I wanted. That's evil. Turning a cheek does not mean that we stop speaking up for justice. A great example of this is Martin Luther King. Yes, we are in Black History Month and every other minority month. Yes, it is February. Nonetheless, Martin Luther King, he was an activist helping Black people in a segregated society. Instead of fighting back with violence, he did not retaliate, but he persisted in standing up for injustices. It becomes harder, and I mean harder, to not retaliate when we suppress our needs or voice. As I stated before, the Lord does bend. And in Romans 12, 19, so you know I didn't make it up, this scripture says, Beloved, Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, you may have to have this passage on speed now when you want to retaliate. Go ahead and memorize it 
walk around, repeat it, and say, the Lord says, vengeance is mine. It is not for me to do. It's the Lord's, and he's going to work it, and you surrender. Okay, number three now. What about this unconditional love? The other person definitely does not deserve it. But how can I wittily still provide it? Well, I want to express that loving unconditionally also means that we love in a manner to guide a person back to Jesus. We all know about back to Jesus. Go ahead and get your back to Jesus t-shirt. That's another little shameless plug right there. Nonetheless, what do I mean by this? Sometimes we may think that we must remain in an unhealthy environment because I am loving the person. For me, my issues derive from extreme loyalty. But a friend, yes, I did. A friend challenged my understanding in this area by bringing to my attention that I am codependent. My work experiences and how I relate to my colleagues actually reflect my codependent behavior. I'm going to provide another example that's not work-related. Thank you very much. Say, for instance, you have a friend who is a gambler or has a drug addiction. For a moment, you allow the person to stay in your house. You provide the person with money, which is now making it difficult for you to pay your rent or your mortgage. Over time, you notice items missing from your house. The person's behavior also changes and becomes neurotic. You no longer feel safe in your home. Therefore, loving the person actually means requesting that the person gets help. If she or he refuses help, you ask the person to leave. Even though you allow the person into your home, you love the person even more when you want him or her to get the help they need for a better life. Unfortunately, you cannot provide the help that she or he really needs. Sometimes we think we can, but the reality is certain circumstances are bigger than what we are equipped to handle. So love does not equal codependency or ignoring sinful behavior. Love does include mercy and grace, and love does include being patient, loving, kind, respectful, not retaliating. And then, you know, there's that whole love passage in the Bible, which that one can be hard to. I digress. Love unconditionally also means that we are loving ourselves unconditionally. So many times we treat ourselves as if we are the enemy. I expressed how I stopped taking care of my emotional and physical well-being. Therefore, in order for me to have strength to not retaliate, to remain righteous and to love others, I need to make sure that my tank is full. I treated my family poorly because I did not have a full tank. We cannot embrace tough Bible passages when we haven't taken care of ourselves. Lastly, loving unconditionally also means that we are loving God unconditionally, even when our circumstances are difficult. Our obedience to his scriptures reflect our love for him. As I already stated, sometimes we got to work through our stuff to get to that obedience phase. but we're pushing through. So I'm going to throw in this little extra because I needed some help as I was reading this passage. I was like, God, you got to, you got to help me out because this is hard. 
And what he did was he had me find a, another passage that was using the same word that provided more context. Because in that five, what was it um, 43, 45, 40, I think it was 548 or 549. The passage says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's it is. It's Matthew 548. Yes, that's what it is. When I read this, I was like, what in the world? I am not perfect. I cannot be perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. I'm not Jesus. As I said before, the Lord knew what I was thinking. So he had me read Philippians 3, 12 through 14, which states, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, mm. but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize, the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. This passage is Paul speaking. Paul wrote pretty much the whole New Testament. He is my Bible superhero. And he says himself that he is not perfect, but that he keeps moving forward, drawing near to Christ. He also stated that he forgets the past so that he can keep moving forward. Yes, we make mistakes and life is hard. I may not got the Bible the first time or wanted to do it the first time, but I keep moving forward to the completeness in Christ. Now, one last scripture about being complete in the Lord. That is perfect. And that is Romans 12 2. It states, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how can I not retaliate, be righteous and love others? I must renew my mind. Yes, it is our season six theme, a renewed mind. We will not make it unless we conform to the completeness of God in Christ. I will retaliate unless I know that the Lord will avenge me. Unless I allow him to judge others, I'm not going to make any progress. I'm going to fall back into me trying to control and trying not to be bitter and eventually just flat lashing out. But I can go on forever. You already sat here so long listening to me. It's one of my latest episodes. I've given you a lot to chew on. There's a lot of meat here about how we can establish relationship harmony. And as I stated before, it starts with us. And in that start with us, love is a major component. Loving others, loving ourselves, and loving God, all of those elements helps us to create that relationship harmony and to get us out of that relationship drama. Because we all know with people, there's going to be some drama. Anyways, I definitely want you to come back next week. We have a smoking interview. How do we navigate away from toxic relationships when we are unable to create relationship harmony? And you might be like, girl, I hear what you're saying, 
that doesn't work for me. I got you. That's why I want you to come back. And so we're going to give you some tools and tips, some great insight to how to manage those things. In the interim, enjoy your week. And I will see you next time.